This episode is brought to you by Plate IQ, your accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Plate IQ works with over 20,000 restaurants across the nation, and they work with restaurants all over the spectrum from Michelin star to QSR and everyone in between. So Plate IQ uses OCR and OCR stands for optical character recognition, and it's the technology that recognizes text within a digital image. So like I said, Plate IQ uses OCR in deep machine learning to eliminate the manual data entry from the accounts payable process. So now you can automate the full life cycle of your invoices from the general ledger coding to the bill payment via Play IQ's vendor pay network. Ooh, let's dive deeper into that vendor pay. With Play IQ's vendor pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bills. You can earn cash back on invoices from over 180,000 vendors. And just the fact that you're paying your, your vendors online is a win. I mean, no more paper checks. Woohoo! Am I right? Also, with Plate IQ Vendor Pay, you can see what's due when and schedule payments by check, ACH, or Plate IQ card. And we've got to mention with Plate IQ Vendor Pay, there's no escrow. You don't lose flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. Lastly, I've got to point out that Plate IQ isn't just for the restaurants, it's also for the vendor. Actually, vendors love Plate IQ because for the same reasons you love it, because it makes your life way easier and you want to keep your vendors happy because that will give you leverage in negotiating your terms. Everyone, you and your vendors can filter through a digital filing cabinet and see which vendors have already been scheduled for what payment. Your vendors won't have to hunt you down. That means no more phone tag and everybody loves that. And then lastly, vendors participating in Plate IQ's vendor pay network love it because it shortens days sales outstanding by 25%, aka vendors get paid 25% faster. To learn more, go to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And if you use that link, you'll save at least 25% off implementation. So a huge part of industry conversation and focus right now is currently centered around the topic of leveraging technology to streamline process and reduce the workload to offset this stupid labor shortage. That's why I'm excited to present to you Hello Slang. We can all agree that missed calls means unhappy customers, and unhappy customers means lost business. Let me put it a little bit more directly. When you miss calls, you lose business. Yeah, I know, Eric, but staffing's so expensive, and with the cost of labor going up, do I really just want to pay somebody to stand by a phone? Seriously, what's a restaurateur to do? Well, meet HelloSlang.com. Never miss an opportunity due to a missed call again. HelloSlang.com uses AI technology to understand your caller and give them answers immediately, 24-7. HelloSlang.com expedites orders, reservations, shares hours and specials, and answers any custom question. Plus, HelloSlang.com can automatically text callers important information like addresses, directions, menus, anything except Yelp reviews, but let's be honest, who's going to miss that? Am I right? HelloSlang.com works with casual dining all the way up to fine dining concepts across the country. And yes, I know 
there is this concern of losing the human touch. And that is one of my biggest concerns with technology like this too. But one of the reasons why I love HelloSlang.com so much is because you choose which calls get forwarded to you so you can preserve the human touch. And I should mention it only takes 30 minutes and it can be even faster if you choose to go with the white glove onboarding process. To learn more, go to HelloSlang.com slash unstoppable for your first month free and no long-term commitment. Again, that's helloslang.com slash unstoppable for your first month free. I don't know about you, but I am always blown away by how quickly menus get destroyed at the end of the night. It's like they're either soaked, soiled, or torn by our patrons. It's almost as if we're sending them into war every night. Well, if we're sending our menus into battle every night, we might as well send them in equipped with the same materials the U.S. Navy SEALs use. That's right. TerraSlate, the creators of the world's most durable paper, created the industry-recognized waterproof menus by using the same exact materials they developed for the U.S. Navy SEALs. Their menus are not only 100% waterproof, but they are also rip-proof, which means you can have a better-looking menu that lasts. Now, I know a few of you are listening to this thinking to yourselves, who needs indestructible paper when I've got these fancy laminating machines and uh, these menu jackets with a plastic sheet that goes over the menu to, to protect it? Well, yeah, okay, maybe those tools help you keep your menu looking lively longer, but not that much longer if we're being honest. Am I right? And how much time and money are you wasting relaminating or rejiggering slash replacing those menus after they do eventually get worn out? I'm telling you, there is no better or easier option out there than TerraSlate. TerraSlate menus have been saving money for restaurant owners and managers in tens of thousands of restaurants around the world since 2014. Each menu is self-sanitizing as TerraSlate's proprietary antimicrobial nano coating is added to each one and get this for free on every menu order forever. Ordering the world's most durable menus is easy. When you're done with your menu, when it's time to roll out a new menu, just recycle the old ones and head to www.terraslate.com. It's that simple. I edit all of Eric's episodes, and he interviews people like Doug, people who started Mm -hmm. restaurants, and they always talk about work-life balance and how hard it was on their spouse. But I've never heard the spouse's take on it. I didn't know anything about you um, prior to meeting you, obviously. Like, why would I? But you've been mentioned because you're obviously a part of this whole thing, this whole story. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised. And there's no reason for me to have thought the opposite. But I'm amazed or I'm surprised that you say we when you talk about this place. (laughs) Because you have a a full-time job Uh that I would assume you put forth the needed energy for yeah a lot of energy (laughs) consider this a we thing i think i i do because it's we both have to do what we're doing in order for it to succeed right now right like we are fully relying on my job in order to keep our home and our family provided for which that wasn't the case before Mm -hmm. um and also 
I think we're in the unique position where we opened up during a, a pandemic. There's not really, you know, we don't, we're not like over leveraged, you know, we're, we're new, we're starting out. Banks won't really give us any money. Like we're, we're really lean. So we're, we're in a good spot. And I think that it's because we're both doing what we're doing that, that we're there. But I say we, because I mean, I think I see myself having a role here at some point. Like, you know, I have a business degree. I, you know, I've, I'm running a department right now. Like I, I know I have a lot of life experience that I can offer this company as, you know, as we grow and, you know, move towards other areas and avenues that Doug has a vision for. Right. Cause he has, he has the vision. He's always had the vision, I guess I want to say like yeah. in our life and our relationship, like I'm the logistics person, you know, I'm the UPS in the relationship and he won't, uh, he won't ever tell you that that's me, but it is like, I can get us somewhere quicker. I can, there's always some way to do it, cut out the fat, do this, do that. Like I can lean us out. He did so much and he had to, right? So I work in healthcare. So when he got the lease and everything, I was working six, seven days a week. So I honestly would cry at times. Cause I was like, I'm so disconnected from this right. and I want to be more a part of it, but I can't like we're in a global pandemic. I'm mm-hmm. being called on at work six, seven days a week. And, um, I didn't experience a lot of the beginning with him, which is, it kind of stinks, but I'm in healthcare for a reason. Um, with the quarantining itself, right? Like I didn't have that experience that he had with the girls during the whole spring and Mm. early summer. He was home and I was at work wishing I was home and he was probably wishing he was somewhere else. You know, I would come home at night and he'd be like, thank gosh, an adult to talk to. And I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody because the day was so crazy. So, I mean, yeah, I guess back to the original question, I do say we, because I feel like I helped a lot and I will continue to. Um, but I think we see it as like a business that we both will be maintaining at some point. Like we're in this period now, but is it something that I can jump over to at some point? Yeah. Do you love coffee like Doug does? He loves it more than me. I didn't start drinking coffee until I was in grad school. Which is like 20 i was like 26 or 27 wow. like i was like a extra cream extra sugar type person yeah i will drink coffee with no cream now and a little bit of sweetener <laughs> but i'm getting there and it's like this might sound really weird but i just want to be like you you don't you, i didn't anticipate you to be like you are wow <laughs> i don't know how to take that um you're i i just i thought i don't know um what did you envision? I don't know, like less enthusiasm. Oh, okay. About this situation. Okay. Why? Just because that's like the narrative in these situations. And it doesn't sound like it's that bad. No, it's I mean it's it's hard, but it's hard together. Right. You know, and I don't think if we hadn't if we didn't have support for each other, what do we have? Right. You know, so he's and he's always been supportive of me like i went back to college and he's like i'll work three jobs if i like he's always just been supportive and a champion and a cheerleader and not to say i had to do that in return here but that's i think that's probably why we've been together for since 1999 like we're 
we're I think we're each other's cheerleaders. Very always cool. Kind of have been. And I think that definitely, you know, you can be as driven as anyone in the world, but it certainly helps to have someone to lean on. Exactly. You know. Welcome to episode four of the story of Seven North. I am your host, Jared Parisi, and we are here today to talk about the flip side. You just heard the voices of myself and Beth York, wife of Doug York. On March 3rd, 2021, Beth and I sat down in Seven North Coffee Co. for a conversation about life. As vague as that sounds, it is accurate. The conclusions to which I arrived at the end of the chat are universal. Unless you're born with a silvery taste in your mouth, life is hard. But it's better together. What I realized on March 3rd, 2021, when Beth and I had been talking for about 45 minutes, is that this is an opportunity to give a voice to someone who normally stays in the shadows buried like a basement providing support for the visible house so many restaurant unstoppable guests talk about the struggle of early business ownership and the toll it takes on their families namely their spouse for the majority of this episode you will hear no narration just conversation welcome dear listeners to the other side of the story of seven north Doug and I met in 1999, <laughs> so it seems like forever ago. Um, we were both in high school. I was um, in 10th grade. He was in 12th grade. We went to Exeter High School. Um, we started dating. We have been dating pretty consistently ever since. Um, we got married in 2009 um, after college. I stayed in. We both went to college in New York City, and then I stayed down there for about a year after, and then he moved back here, and we ultimately both ended up back here and got married three years after college in 2009. Then... We bought a house in 2012. We had our first child in 2013. Her name's Corinne. She's now seven, turning eight. Um, then we moved to Exeter in 2017, and we had our we had our second daughter early 2017, and then moved to Exeter after having her. He got this idea, I would say, end of 2019, 20, early 2020. Um, he'd always sort of thought this spot here where we are would be like a great coffee shop cafe. He's sort of always wanted a coffee shop. He always wanted to name it like Coffee Cake or, or something. Like that's what he always used to say. Um, but um wasn't really available. It was just a location that wasn't available at all. But he thought that if if anything were to ever happen, he needs to sort of be prepared. So 
I want to say like January, February of 2020 last year, he really started putting together a business plan for sort of the just in case. Um, if this location were to come available, um, and then it did, I feel, and it feels like a time warp. 2020 just feels like a time warp, but I think it was early March. It did come become available and he was sort of ready with this business plan. It seems like this whole thing kind of just started yeah. when the building became available. <laughs> and and you mentioned that prior to this, he, you know, he like always kind of wanted a coffee shop, but like, so that doesn't sound specific enough. It's not. So, and I don't think the story really is more specific okay. than that. I think he's probably going to hate me for this, but he's always sort of been like a f- little bit of a fish out of water in what he was doing, right? So, he has this like incredible like creative musical history, but it wasn't like paying student loans, right? So, he's always had jobs on the side too. Right. Like real jobs. Um, not side jobs, but, and so for a long period of time, he was working in a job that didn't really fulfill him to like his soul. I think he always know, has known he has like this way with people, right? And what does that translate to? And a coffee shop was like an idea, but I always just sort of thought of it as like, oh, that's a fun idea. (laughs) And when push came to shove, he's like, I have to put my money where my mouth is and actually do it. And it just did sort of come out of nowhere. I was concerned, like as a wife, I, I was like, I've never seen you make a coffee. I've never seen you make a latte. Like I understand you have like this vision and you want it to be like about community and like music and you can envision it, but how are you actually going to serve the coffee and make a latte and a cappuccino and a cortado and all all these things we didn't even know about a year ago. Um, Did you say that to him? Yes. And what did he say? He's like, I'll figure it out. Were you filled with confidence at that moment? No. Okay. Not at all. (laughs) But where are we now? We are exactly we are sitting in the coffee shop. So how does it go from you having no, or you having limited confidence to today? I think, I think my limited confidence level or whatever, it wasn't, it didn't probably originate in how I thought he would be able to do. It's just neither of us have ever charted these waters before. Right. Right, So we've never started anything from the ground up. I'm a very traditional person. I like being paid every other week from a company, knowing that my health insurance is getting paid. And he's just, he's always been sort of in a different lane than that, which that doesn't bother him. Right. So I think those things sort of naturally deterred me from like, is this a viable option for us? No doubt. Did I think that he could learn how to make a coffee, but I will tell you it was much later in the process than you probably think he was learning how to make coffees like the week before we opened, because that's when we hooked up the the espresso machine. Right. So, and it, every time he comes home and tells me like someone told me it was the best cappuccino they've ever had. And I'm like, wow, like you did it. Like, I didn't doubt you, but like, it surprises me when people are like, this is amazing. This is like, this is like Seattle, you know? And I'm like, Whoa, good for you. (laughs) So I'm curious, why do you think, and this might seem like mean, but like, why do you think people say that? If Doug's only been making coffee for less than two years, he's probably not making the best cappuccinos ever. I, I mean, so like, what I, is it about this place that people? 
I mean, I don't like, know that he's not making the best cappuccinos well, it's true. ever. I don't it could either. be this machine that okay. he has. I mean, for people that have seen it go from empty to cafe, he's here every day. They're seeing him like grind it out. Maybe they're connected to his story of opening this place up and that makes it taste better to them. Restaurant Unstoppable says, Eric, the host of Restaurant Unstoppable says, often is behind every great restaurant is a great person. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're married to him. You probably think he's a great person, but like, do you think that is why and not the coffee? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think he's the greatest person, right? Okay. Like he, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's empathetic. You know, he, he knows when to say things, when not to say things. So I think that translates well into like customers. You know, he was explaining to me a situation, a conversation about, uh, with a, a patron and their son. And I was like, well, did you say this and that? And he's like, no, it was just time for me to listen. You know, like he understands when to turn it on and off and nice. he's approachable and he's got a deep voice. So I think that makes people, <laughs> it's a calming voice for really? people. Um, so I do think, I mean, I know a lot about him as a person. So yes, I do think he is, is a good person and people can see that in him. If okay. you could see his eyes through this podcast, he has kind eyes. You know? <laughs> Very so. nice. First of all, I would love to hear your take on um, Granite State. Mm -hmm. And like, were you with him at that time? Oh, yes. I would, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. And then also, if you maybe speak to like, what were you doing while he was in a rap group? Mm-hmm. And how that speaks to your differences, like personality okay. differences. So I don't know that Granite, Granite State wasn't a formed group when we first met and started dating. I don't think it was until, it wasn't until like I was out of high school and in college. Um, he lived, we lived in New York. We were going to Manhattan College in the Bronx and he had an apartment, I had an apartment. And then his, the other, the other half of Granite State moved down and moved in with him and they sort of formed this group. I feel like it was then like Oh four Oh five. Okay. Um, their longtime friend producer DJ lived in the same building, just five floors down from Doug. And they just, it was like this musical wonderland <laughs> at school. And so Doug was also going to school full time at the same time with me at, Manhattan College. Same school? Same school. Okay. He put in a lot less effort because he was like, <laughs> music is it. It's the way forward. He yes. sat behind me in economics and like cheated off me in tests. And I was mad at him. Like, <laughs> you are not getting my answers. Like, I studied and you didn't. Right. Um, so that's probably a little inkling into he was on this path. And I was like, if I got anything less than an a minus in a class I was devastated and I was on this path and he was on a different path yet we were united right we were together supportive of each other mm -hmm. obviously um the first album came out in 2005 I think it was spring of 05 um it was really fun. It was like a really fun time. It was right before I think summer break. Like they did this like release party up here at the Ioka, yep. which is like no longer now. But True. um it was really, really fun. They were doing shows and I would go to the shows if we were I was able. We were drive back and forth from Boston to New York and it was an interesting time in life, I guess. Um all the while I was like very serious about school. 
um, I think it was that summer I stayed in New York City and he was just like around doing shows. He didn't go to school that summer, but he didn't work. Um, I don't believe. And they were just sort of bounced around and promoted this album and they had a good time. And I, I was an accounting and economics major and I had a full-time internship at an accounting firm that summer in New York. And, um, so I was there sort of wearing suits on the subway every day and he was having this like very different life at the time. Were you together? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I like we broke up at one point in college and that's the only time we ever had and I was like you're not serious about life because you like didn't want to be in college and it didn't last lasted like two weeks it was stupid well that's what I was going to ask so when he was when he was in Granite State were you considering like spending your life with him you know and it's funny because people had asked us that, like even in high school, like, oh my gosh, you're going to get married. And <laughs> just like, don't even ask me that question. Um, but I think probably towards the end of college, yes, I had considered that. We were going to move in together. That was like the big decision that we made. Like after college, I like, quote, you know, broke up with my roommates at the time. They wanted to get an apartment after college. And I was like, no, guys, I'm moving in with Doug. We're going to get an apartment in Brooklyn, blah, blah, blah. And then he decided to move back home. Um, maybe that's, that's when we broke up for like two weeks. It's like a blur, um, this big two week period in our life. Um, but after college, I moved to Brooklyn he moved back up here. Um, but still, I think at no point were we like very far apart from each other and in, in thinking that we would be together. I think what we wanted out of life is very was very different and I think it kind of always has been. He's the type of guy that's like, I wanna work until I die because work shouldn't feel like work. It should feel like I should love what I'm doing every day. And I'm like, when can I retire? Like, <laughs> let's travel to it, let's travel all around the right. world. Like, what do you wanna do in retirement? He's like, I don't wanna retire. So we're, we still have these conversations today. Like, what do we want when we're older? Right. <laughs> like two nights ago we did. And he's like, I can't talk about it right now. Why not? I just don't think he's like there right now. He was probably mentally still here. Yeah, probably like, oh man, I forgot to like wash the floors. Yeah. You know? Okay. So did you, did you think about how potentially difficult it could be to marry someone who was a professional musician? Yeah. All the time. Okay. I mean, I guess I don't. I don't quite remember what my thoughts were at the time, but like, oh, that person could like never be around or do I have to just follow this person around if I want to see them? Like I remember having those thoughts, but it, it never sort of deterred me from like my path either. You know, I, I always, I sort of steamrolled forward with a career and like I stayed in New York city when he moved up here, you know, I wasn't, didn't just want to follow right. him around, I guess. That yeah, sounds yeah. bad, but... No, no, it um, makes sense. Let's talk about closing one day. Because mm-hmm. when this project started, Doug was seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And you could tell he needed a break. Right. So talk about life. And again, I don't know how big of a difference this made, but talk about life before one day was the store was closed and then after. And the discussion and decisions that led to closing. So there was a lot of discussions about like, maybe you should close one day. No, never. Like, I need to be there every day. Consistency is key. Mm -hmm. Like, people need coffee, you know. And it's just like, at what cost, right? So that was sort of 
where I was coming from. Like, you need, you just need a break. And I think he probably came to realize it when he was just being super salty to pretty much most people. <laughs> um, you know, not not really feeling like he had an identity outside of this cafe, which if we're, you know, we're talking about Doug's past and his music, like he has a seriously creative side and has a lot of his weight and his identity is based on um, creativity and creating new things and music and just art, the arts, right? And Mm -hmm. he, I'm sure he internally was like, I haven't had that in a long time. So, and that's what he's mostly been doing, you know, in his free time now that he's like closed on one day and at night. So I think he, he has realized that he can't just be all cafe all the time. He has to have some sort of outlet, which is really difficult right now. Like we can't go out to eat. We can't really do much. Um, he's always been really great at finding an outlet, but certainly closing, one day was something he could look forward to, you know, on Sunday nights, he's more relaxed, which mm-hmm. kind of stinks. Cause like I have the Sunday scaries every week and it's right. like Monday morning is like make the lunches and drive to school. And, um, but then after that today was his, or Monday of this week was his first week. Like he was home by himself with nobody in the home <laughs> for about six hours. And I was like, what did you do? Like, tell me about it. Like, I haven't been alone without the girls since the summer. Cause when he's here on the weekend, I have them all the time. So right. I was like, wow, did you like lay on the couch? What, like, <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. I need to live through you. And he said it was like relaxing. So I think it's good for him. But then I think what it has turned into is like, he gets this, the Monday scaries now, like going back uh, yes. to work. Right. So. Yeah. I think probably more so before it was just like it was just what he did every day so he didn't have time to think about like the scaries that you get after having a day off and like realizing you can relax a little bit and I think what you you mentioned in the beginning of this that this might be what like a warning for people well like a cautionary tale right okay that there's so, like collateral so tell us <laughs> tell us why it's a cautionary tale tell us guess, as someone involved now for over a year mm-hmm. intimately like what do we need to know about this process and again you don't have to be like all about covid like just the process of opening a restaurant with I, no employees i think with no employees i think that for someone like me with a husband like Doug, who is a visionary, who is totally glass three quarters full all the time. Like he, he had us a great idea. He has an amazing vision, but there is, like I said, like collateral to some of that. Right. So there is a lot of work that you don't necessarily anticipate. Right. We didn't really hit very many bumps along the way, which I think we're, I'm very thankful for, you know, we didn't have like a rotten walls when we pulled things down. There weren't a lot of extra things like that, but I think that, um, it's the time spent away from your family. It's, the pressure that your spouse might feel to provide in a way that they've never had to provide before. Um, it's not seeing your friends like Jeremiah is Doug's mentor, but they're also great friends of ours. And we, it's, I don't want to say COVID, but we haven't seen them for a long time as a family. You know, we haven't Mm. family hung out for a while and it's things like that, that you're like, Oh, we, we can't, (laughs) we, because Doug's working or Doug's tired or there's those pieces that you just don't realize until they happen that 
oh, this is this is what has to happen in order for the cafe to happen. Right. So I think, and I, let me find this. I put something on Instagram. I, I shared something today about trauma, which I think <laughs> we don't even know how all of this past year is going to play out, let alone like what we sort of did here. Um, trauma is anything too much, too fast without enough support. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that actually like yeah. hits home. To, and that came to me today, like in a feed or whatever. So I like shared it obviously because I'm really basic like that. Um, but I, it made so much sense to me today. And I was like, it doesn't have to be something terrible. It can just be too much, too fast at one time and you're not prepared. And that's kind of like how I feel about this past year. So you feel traumatized? <laughs> I think there's an element of trauma to like what we've all gone through the past year. This, and I think this in and of itself without like a pandemic to think about would have been traumatic, right? If you can think you're prepared, but there's always gonna be something you're not prepared for or don't have support for, or, I mean, I think Doug could tell you like the grocery situation here is like traumatic. Like he's go to market basket like every day to get milk. Like Mm -hmm. there has to be a better way for that, but it's just like something that he stresses about and he doesn't have support for groceries. Like it's, I don't remember the original question, but. I wanna talk about like, and it's coming through that, like through your use of we, I realize now that you're very much involved in this place. Like, is there a moment when you realized, okay, my life is my life, but now it's going to change because Doug took, um, like legit permanent steps towards creating a coffee shop that would take up, you know, seven days a week. I don't know if I have one specific moment. There's a few moments. <laughs> um, there is when he quit his job so he you know officially left his job june 30th of last year which you know your our home life officially changed right our income was cut i had to sign up for health insurance something i'd never done before like personally i felt that change at that point um i think the other the other point is like right when he opened right like because from before that it had just been like working on the place here and there you know we were sort of managing our schedules and then it's like well i'm open so i can't do that or i can't do this or um seven days a week so he's not home on the weekends we loved our saturday sunday morning like coffee time we would just sit in the living room or on the front porch and the kids would do whatever they wanted and we would just sit and hang out and drink coffee. That was gone. So I mourned that very like early on. And then I think the other piece is when like school started, you know, so he was the morning person. He was there, he was making lunches, he was dropping off. He was the main, and I would have early meetings and go to work and that's not the case anymore. So my whole morning life had to change cause he was gone. So it sounds very me-centric that <laughs> my life had to change a lot um, once sort of we open and then these other milestones that we would sort of manage together at home were happening sort of without him. And then we did go on vacation this summer and he wasn't able to really come with us. So he was here, he came up for a night or two and then he missed summer vacation. <laughs> That's too bad. I know, but... Um, hopefully this summer will be different. 
So Kat was talking about prior to opening this coffee shop, because she looked at his business plan and everything like that, Mm -hmm. that her biggest concern was work-life balance. Because she knows what it's like to open a restaurant. And she was most concerned with how it would affect his family. So, like, do you have thoughts on that? So, I think I probably have a few. So, I even have WLB in a sticky note on my desk in front of me at work because it's it's a issue for both of us. Um, you know, when when sort of this, we didn't anticipate opening in a pandemic. We thought it would be not as long as it has been. And True. so that has sort of been a little bit of a surprise, but a gradual surprise. There's no like aha moment to that. But when... You know, the original plan was to have employees. (laughs) And here we are. It's March. We opened in August and it's still just Doug. So he's here six days a week because we, I like, was like, you need to close one day so that you can have some rest because I think he's had multiple, he's beyond breakdowns points, burnout points, I should say. Um, So I think he does a good job, though, of when he leaves here, he's home and he's present with the kids and with the family. Albeit it's a small amount of time and a work day. Like, I got here, it's 5.30. I would just be getting home with our four-year-old. He would have been home with Corinne for maybe 45 minutes. We have dinner when I'm not working late. We have dinner together. And then it's, like, sort of hang out, bedtime we're done with the kids by like seven forty-five, eight. But he's very present when we do have that short period of time. The weekends, I think, is where the girls have started like really noticing he's like not around. Um, and but we do come here every day on the weekend to nice. see him. Right. Also, I threw away my coffee pot months ago because I was like, I can't have like coffee from this coffee pot like when we have a cafe like Mm -hmm. i have to get like special coffee every day (laughs) not thinking like what the winter would be like so we have to come too so i don't get a headache from not having caffeine Mm -hmm. um but the girls really enjoy coming and seeing him but it is stressful when they're here because they're high energy if he's trying to take care of customers um i've worked multiple times with him on the weekend there was one day where he was sick and I was like, you need to leave. What if you have coronavirus? Like, you need to go yeah. get tested. And I worked here five, like five hours by myself one day. Um, but that's like part of the balance is like there is no balance. He's either here or it's not open. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been really difficult. But I think we both sort of understand it's for a small portion of time in the grander scheme of our life in this business and what we want to do with it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard right now and i'm sure jeremiah said the same thing and because he we, they've had multiple conversations with us about like he needs to take time for himself yeah. and it's not it's just not in the cards right now unless i work and he has some time home wait so can what is the well you mentioned employees is it because of covid that right so we we've sort of didn't not knowing like how much money we would make it's we're certainly not 
we're making way less than what we projected because there's no train passenger. You know, we factored in a lot of things into that original, or he did, into the original business plan that are not around right now. Like the academy is really sparse. Schools, you know, there's not a lot of traffic from schools right now. Nobody is taking the train. So we wanted, or his, he wants to wait until we like pay taxes the first time to see sort of like where we stand um, and maybe hire somebody after that time period. But we also not knowing, you know, facing these like waves of coronavirus, I would hate to hire somebody and then have to close for whatever reason. And then that person is out of a job, which isn't fair, but I know people understand what they're signing up for, but I would still feel terrible and obligated. Like once you have an employee, there's a different type of responsibility that you have for them. So you become a leader, not just a person who makes coffee all day. Right. So, and also I think like logistically (laughs) hiring an employee takes time that he doesn't have right now too. True. So, but it's, you know, a, a short term sort of work, more work for a longer term benefit of having some time off. But right. I don't know if he'd be able to like relax if he was not here and the cafe was open anyway. Right. <laughs> and I, it's funny because a lot of the, like everyone mentions COVID when it comes to this place, but everything Doug is dealing with right now is what you deal with if you open a restaurant. Right. It just might last a little longer right. because of COVID. But it's very much felt throughout the industry for, for like anyone who opens a restaurant. Right. Like they go through this opposite of a honeymoon period, I guess right. you could call it. It wasn't so much that the fact that there was like very few people coming in. That to me, honestly, has no bearing on my own uh, uh, mood. It's more about like, okay, what the fuck? Like, what am I doing? Today, what's funny, I said like, you guys caught me at a weird time because... Um, today I had a very similar mood where today was as busy as any day in here. Um, but I'm sitting there saying to myself, like, what the fuck am I doing? Doubt. Yeah, it's doubt. And it's like a little bit of like fear of success in a way, you know, because you're, you're doing something that you want to be doing. It you know looks like it's working and yet you're sitting there being like is this what i want to be doing you know when you say is this what i want to be doing like running a coffee shop i want to do this but is this worth it and is what i'm doing worth it like i don't see my kids i don't see my wife i don't see my friends you know is is what i'm doing worth it a lot of people are sacrificing a lot for me to even be doing this what is it like having a having a coffee shop yeah but for you isn't there something greater that you want to get out of this coffee shop the vision yes is that worth it that's what i'm questioning like in real time as we speak even doing this to me this is this is so worth it and this is what i love doing what we're doing right now but I say to myself like why am I why am I doing this hello dear listeners 
I'm enjoying the absence of narration, and I'm sure you are too, so I will make this as brief as possible. A foundation and a house walk into a bar. The house orders a drink because he really needs one. The foundation turns to the house and says, I think that in the end, would we do it again? Of course. Um, I think I think his mother has recently asked him, like, if you knew the pandemic was going to last this long, would you have done this? And I'd say the answer is yes, to be honest. Like, if we have to do it again, like, and maybe this is because I'm still in it and we don't really know the other, come, we haven't come out the other side or, um, but I think what we have gained from all of this being collateral aside, like we've learned a ton. I don't know if I can swear. We've learned a ton about like ourselves and what we're actually capable of. of, And it's quite a lot in these extreme circumstances. So I think I've made my point. What I want to say as a final farewell is that we as a society need to stop sensationalizing success. Being successful in modern America should not be a high achievement. Oh my God, stop it. You started a business and sell quality goods that people want and need. And so in exchange, they give you money for your services. Yes, I'm an adult. It was hard, but so is going into labor, writing a rap song, producing a podcast, raising children, paying taxes, paying bills, love, marriage, friendship. These are all difficult things to manage in an average adult life, but the rewards are the impetus to continue. However, Doug does bring up a good point there. Is it worth it? Doug was so completely focused on opening the coffee shop that it's possible he never thought about the other side of the wall. In other words, the grind. Doug the dog has caught the car. So what now? In the final episode of the story of Seven North, we will be looking at this very question. There are two traits that exist in all entrepreneurs. One is ego and one is pride. Let's explore the implications of both in the final episode of the story of Seven North.